Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for October 26. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Alexander Solzhenitsyn lived at the time when Soviet communism sought to harness human engineering to create a new society. The goal was to develop a new kind of human being. Greedy, competitive and alienated individualists were to be transformed into cooperative and generous altruists. Capitalist men and women were to be changed into a socialist society. Even before the fall of the USSR, Solzhenitsyn concluded the experiment had failed. It suggests that dreams of a better world and a better life based on human invention and force will founder. But let me suggest that we don't have to despair. A ray of light shines in the darkness of our world. Come with me to an unexpected encounter that changed a wealthy money grabber into a benevolent philanthropist. The man's life was changed more rapidly and more radically than even Karl Marx would have believed possible. We read about it in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is going to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was very rich, yet his wealth didn't earn him respect. In fact, the reverse was his experience. He was a social outcast, for he was a chief tax collector. Jewish tax collectors were regarded as traitors because the money they collected went to the treasury in Rome. And if that wasn't bad enough, it was reckoned that 99% of them were crooked. But there seems to have been something appealing about Zacchaeus. Short in stature, there was a touch of humorous eccentricity about him. And this was evident when Jesus of Nazareth came to town. As do celebrities today, Jesus drew huge crowds wherever he went. Zacchaeus wanted to see him, but, pushed back by the crowd, he discovered he couldn't. Thinking outside the box, he climbed a tree. We easily miss the incongruity of the scene. Here was Zacchaeus, an eminent, affluent public servant, shinning up a tree to get a look at the man who, himself, was considered an outsider by the elite. Zacchaeus risked 
being ridiculed by the crowd. What prompted Zacchaeus? Curiosity? He certainly wanted to see the celebrated miracle-working teacher from the north. People have always been attracted to celebrities and heroes, and encounters with Jesus often begin like that. Curiosity about a celebrity. But consider what happened. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We can only imagine how startled Zacchaeus must have felt. It was a critical moment. He didn't expect this. How would he react? He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Perhaps it was more than curiosity that prompted Zacchaeus to climb the tree that day. He may have felt growing regret over his lifestyle. Over the years in ministry, I've encountered people like this. They find life doesn't turn out as expected. A broken marriage, difficult children, money ill-spent, a lost reputation. They feel trapped, but they know they can't turn the clock back. Zacchaeus may have felt this sense of despair, but maybe he had heard how Jesus had changed other people's lives. Matthew, another tax collector, for example. Whatever prompted him, Zacchaeus jumped out of the tree and without a moment's hesitation took Jesus in for lunch. It was a life-changing moment, for clearly Jesus impressed Zacchaeus. So much so that during the meal, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus's promises are specific and immediate. There's no fabrication. We can almost hear him turning the key in the lock of his safe. Meeting Jesus led this self-centered, wealthy, but probably lonely man to a radical change within. He turned away from greed and revealed compassion for the poor and powerless. He also demonstrated a sense of justice. What caused the change? Zacchaeus suddenly understood who Jesus really was. He called him Lord. This was more than a courtesy title. He knew he was in the presence of greatness. In his work, Zacchaeus would have experienced the deceitfulness of human nature in paying their taxes, and the dishonesty of tax collectors in collecting taxes. He now knew he was in the presence of someone who could see right through deception and fraud. Jesus was the one man with whom you had to be completely honest. There's a transparency and humility about Zacchaeus's reaction. His awakened conscience had led to his heartfelt repentance. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus said. It wasn't good works or making amends for past wrongs. It wasn't his generosity to the poor that saved Zacchaeus. Rather, it was his personal encounter with Jesus and his genuine repentance. It was a significant moment. A man's life was transformed. 
It's the kind of transformation that politicians try to achieve through economic and other strategies. Revolutionaries use a gun. Jesus did it by inviting himself to lunch. Now, you may be thinking this kind of change can't really take place in our world today. But consider Jesus' further words. Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Because of his repentance and the evidence of that repentance, Zacchaeus, formerly an outsider, was now an insider in his relationship with God and his people. He could now be called a true son of Abraham. Significantly, Jesus goes to the heart of the reason for his coming. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Now let's think about this. From God's perspective, every one of us is lost. Created to know and love God and enjoy Him forever, we have all succumbed to self-worship. We fail to love Him first. However, God didn't reduce us to the particles and dust from which He had formed us. Rather, He spoke to one man, Abraham, and made three promises. I will give you a land, I will make your name great, and I will bless all the nations through you. We read in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. The history of Abraham's family and their dealing with God is not a pretty one. But God persisted. He had a plan, and at the right time came amongst us in person. It was this God-man whom Zacchaeus encountered. Jesus came into the world to awaken us and to rescue us by laying down his own life so that we might enjoy life in all its fullness forever. When we know Jesus, we will want to fall on our knees in repentance and love. In turn, we will surely also want to find ways to arouse the curiosity of others, perhaps inviting them to coffee, so that we can introduce them to Jesus too. So let me pray. Almighty and eternal God, grant that we may grow in faith, hope and love. Especially make us love what you command, so that we may obtain what you have promised. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You may like to listen to Magnificent, Marvellous, Matchless Love from Keith and Kristen Getty at gettymusic.com.